to the Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Raglan, and I certainly noticed with last week's episode, we got a lot of new people subscribing to the channel. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for the love and support for last episode. If this is your first time listening after that episode, let me give you a brief introduction of this podcast. This is a podcast where I bring on artists that do absolutely incredible stuff, and I have them sit down and talk about their art journey, the stuff they're making, the stuff that they want to make, so much more. It is a nice, fun, cool, casual conversation with everyone involved, and today's episode is certainly no exception to that. Today's guest is Danny Chobe, better known as Bronco Boro, a 2D animator and compositor currently working at Titmouse with an eye and love for animals and monsters as seen from their work. This was a fun and fantastic conversation by an artist that was actually introduced to me thanks to my producer, the wonderful Tipsy J Hearts, and I know you guys are going to absolutely love this episode just as much, if not more, than I did. If you do enjoy Danny and what they're all about, make sure you support her with her links down in the description below. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Especially if you're on YouTube, keep the subscriptions up. I'm getting so close to 1K, and whenever I can get there, maybe I can potentially be able to do some more stuff with this podcast. Let's get to that 1,000. If you want to go even further with that support, or at least just want a place to talk about the incredible artists that I bring on this podcast, or just talk about art in general, maybe you should consider being a part of the Postmod Art Pod Discord server, The Artist Sanctuary. There's already a nice, wonderful, cool group of people there that get together, showcase each other's art, and just have a good, fun time, and we would love to have you be a part of that as well. And hey, if you even want to go further and truly support the podcast, maybe you should consider being a part of the Postmodern Art Podcast Patreon. There you can see exclusive behind-the-scenes content, stuff that was cut for time, bonus episodes, and so much more. Feel free to support the Patreon today. But now, without further ado, please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. Hello. Hello. Hi, I am so excited to be here. Good, <laughs> I am happy to hear that. I am sincerely glad to hear that. I know you were a... How should I put this? It was interesting because I know my, my producer, Tipsy, she was the one that like hyped you up. So I was like, you know, anytime, my, anytime she recommends me an artist or whatnot, I'm instantly hyped for it. So there we go. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I mean, thank her, rather. <laughs> I'm flattered. <laughs> hey, no, no, no problem. Plus, she was like, you know, hey, we need to do this artist. And I looked at your stuff and I like the instant I saw your art, I'm like, get him, get them. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, I, I do love drawing um, crazy stuff. That's for sure. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Plus, I think I can pinpoint probably part of the reason why Tipsy was like a major fan of your art in the first place. And that's the werewolves. Let's be honest. <laughs> I love drawing werewolves, any kind of werewolves, like crazy shaped werewolves, like that's totally my thing. Absolutely. I, I'm so glad when people um like the ones I draw because I, I honestly like just try to make them as like kooky and out there as possible, so <laughs> well, trust that me, makes me happy. Trust me, we are going to divulge as much as we can into that because believe me when I say there's a lot to talk about with there. I, and I'm excited to definitely talk about that myself. So there we go. <laughs> uh, how are you doing awesome. today, by the way? 
I am doing okay. I took my dog to puppy school, so oh, that was cute. interesting. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, uh, what kind of dog you got, if I may ask? Oh, um, she was from somebody's, like, accidental litter. She, mm. Her mom's a golden retriever, and her dad was com- some kind of German shepherd mix, so she kind of looks like a golden retriever with some shepherd markings, so okay. she's pretty dang cute. Oh, I can only imagine. I know, was it my mom? My mom and her roommate, they recently decided, well, not recently, but uh, for the past couple of years, they've been training uh, some purebred boxers, trying to see if they can get some more purebreds out of that. Like they're trying to do the whole entire breeding thing or whatnot. And I know I hear funny stories all the time about them taking the dogs to, to training school and their behaviors and all that kind of stuff. Oh, absolutely. I know boxers are like, um, they're known for being like clowns, honestly. No. They're, they're really <laughs> wonderful, goofy dogs. So I can only imagine. I was going to say, so I'll say this, my mom lives down in Florida and whatnot. So here we also have a couple dogs as well. And, um, like, I think also last year, my stepmom, she got uh, a purebred boxer. But the reason why we were able to get her, especially so cheap, is because she has, like, a cleft on her nose or whatnot. So she mm. looks she looks like the, the predator or whatnot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, essentially. And that dog is one of the most hyper goofy dogs I have ever met. Like it, jumping all around 20 different places. Cause she's just a puppy. I mean, you know, especially when they're oh, young. Yeah. They're, they're like, they're, they are so like just off the walls when they're like under a year old, like mine will just like run in circles around the living room, like up onto the couch and back down onto the floor, like on repeat, like, <laughs> Um, it, it, yeah, they're just, um, they're, they're definitely a handful when they're that young. Um, I can only imagine a boxer puppy. Oh, I know, especially, what was it recently? So my, my stepmom had to like leave the house for at least like a week or so to help my sister move. And, um, she, like we had to watch the dog and she, the puppy has like some sort of like separation anxiety or something like that. Because anytime mm-hmm. my stepmom is not in the house, her first defense is to just crap everywhere. Uh, so, oh goodness so so during that time i had to make sure that anytime it was just like me in the house alone or whatnot just at least keep my door open because if i'm not careful and i like shut it to like eat dinner i come out and 20 minutes later and there's like at least two piles on the floor i'm like come on dang that sounds hard i mean like my girl she like she has this thing where she gets so excited when she sees a new person that she'll just like pee instantly <laughs> Man, dogs are um, silly. They they get so like excited or like distressed when people like enter or leave the room. They're just like um, I don't know. I I feel like they're so like <laughs> like kind of like pure and full of joy that they like I guess like can't contain themselves or something. Yeah, I it's know. kind of funny, but it's ultimately very annoying sometimes. <laughs> It can be, but at the end of the day, I mean, if if it was really that annoying, we wouldn't have them in the first place, right? <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. Um, all right, Danny, before we really get going, I must ask more or less the icebreaker question of the podcast. Let's say you get to go to a deserted island on your own accord. It is just you, alone with your thoughts. You get to kick back, relax, get to breathe, get to truly enjoy yourself for a little bit. To help make sure you can truly relax, you can bring one piece of media or one piece of art with you. Something to help with that unwind and relaxing mood more than anything else if given this opportunity what would that one piece be that one piece of media would honestly be minecraft okay like um i could play that 
infinitely, honestly. I've been playing it like since like the beta when I was really young. Okay. So um yeah, I mean I I would just sit there, chill and build some houses pretty much. Like it feels like it would be a really zen time, honestly. I mean to be fair, like uh you know, with the the flexibility and obviously like the sandbox nature of that game, like you can really set whatever mindset you want going into that game and you can set it up and do whatever you want. So getting that Zen mentality is really easy with a, uh, an open-ended game like that. Oh yeah. Like um, whenever I like hear those questions about how, like if you were stuck on a deserted Island, like what's the one piece of media you would bring um, I always thought like that has to be it because you can just keep building like goals for yourself like as long as you want essentially so it feels like it's honestly the most like bang for your buck in terms of like what a video game can be oh absolutely yeah. absolutely but nevertheless Minecraft that is your answer you're locking that in absolutely Minecraft is my answer I'm locking it in alright now that you've locked that in I cannot think of a better way to start the Postmodern Art Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Nathan Raglan. Feel free to like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Uh, you can support the podcast on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PMAP. And follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest. <clears throat> she is a 2D animator and compositor currently working at Titmouse with an eye and love for animals and monsters, especially werewolves. Welcome to the podcast, Danny Cho. A.K.A. Bronco Burro. That is quite the introduction. Thank you. <laughs> I just try to make sure that I give you the proper introduction because, like I said before, Danny, whenever I was first aware of your stuff, I was instantly blown away. And so for the people who may not know about you beforehand, I want them to be instantly blown away as well. But before I really divulge into the art that you are producing, I want to go back just a little bit, if I may. I want to know more or less the origin story of Bronco, if I may. What got you interested in art and animation in the first place? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I'm like, everyone has that like thing where they're like, oh yeah, I've been drawing since I could pick up a pencil. And while that's kind of me, I want to be maybe a bit more specific than that. That's fair. Um, I, when I was like really young, I was like so obsessed with the Lion King that uh... like I would, that like there came a certain point where my mom was like, you cannot put this in the VHS player like one more time. I'm going to like cut off my ears if you do it like one more time. Um, so like I started by drawing like lions on paper. I drew, I would draw like myself as a lion, my cat as a lion, like anyone I could think of as a lion. So um, yeah, honestly, it's got to be the Lion King as my um, like first inspiration to start drawing. And then I found Neopets, and you know, yeah, yeah. it, it kind of just goes from there. <laughs> I I can only imagine going back to the Lion King just for a second. I can just only imagine like your mom, like probably just like doing dishes or something like that. You pop in the VHS player, nah. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was honestly like exactly it. I would I would seriously watch it like four times a day. Um like whenever like she would be like, Why don't you watch a different movie? I'd be like, Okay, what about The Lion King 2? Why don't we watch that one? <laughs> As someone that also grew up with Lion King, it was more my brother with the Lion King, but I mean, it still had a very special place in my heart. I totally understand where you're coming from, and you, there is no shame in loving the Lion King like that. Um, <laughs> I, I guess also, like, 
based on what you've been able to produce, I imagine also kind of that affinity for animals really started with the Lion King as well. What is it about animals that like creatively like get you going? Um, honestly, I think something interesting about animals is that, um, we as humans, when we see a like human drawn on paper, it's very easy for us since we have that familiarity with the human face to pick out any imperfections mm -hmm. and like kind of um, our eye is just kind of sharper for humans. So there's a lower level of abstraction before we start getting kind of like weirded out or something. Um, and that's cool to do in art anyway. But with animals, there's kind of like this like much higher ceiling for like what shapes we're going to accept as a cat mm -hmm. without it like looking um uncanny so my favorite thing about animals is how much you can like really push their shapes oh, yeah. and like do like crazy things with them and the human brain will be like yep that's a normal cat that's exactly what a cat looks like like nothing weird about this <laughs> um so, <laughs> so i love that like um you know like flexibility we have in them like we're kind of worse at face recognition for animals, but um, we have this like higher threshold for like what we will accept, if that makes sense. Um, also, I just love drawing muzzles. I think they have this like great expressive quality to them, mm -hmm. um, especially, you know, the way that cartoons would draw them in like the, you know, like eighties, like, you know, like Bluth era stuff <laughs> and like old school Disney. Like I love yeah. how like elastic they are and, working with them so yeah i i just think they're funner to draw in general plus like you know on top of all those things that you're talking about there's also more or less the flexibility that animals give as well considering the fact that like you know there's so many different breeds there's so many different you know sizes there's so many different like shapes that you can work with or whatnot to where like granted you can somewhat get the same for humans but i feel like there's just a, a wider range you can work with when it comes to animals i mean just think about the dog alone how many breeds have been animated i mean oh absolutely and i think there's also this like visual clarity you can get because we have these like um associations with animals and like um archetypes we kind of project onto them so if you want to get across like a character dynamic really fast um you can kind of like cheat by using some like um, animals. Like say you wanted to have like this like big guy who is kind of like sweet, but everyone's like frightened of him. You could have this like huge like Rottweiler looking dude with like, um, you know, like an unconventional, like maybe like um, shirt with like Hello Kitty on it. Like that would immediately like convey to the audience like what you're trying to do. Um, so it's like kind of fun to play around with, with that too. Um, there, like, we just like put so much, like, I guess, stock into like these inherent personalities we project onto animals. And honestly, I kind of love that. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I going back just a little bit. I just I love the, the Rottweiler with the, the Hello Kitty shirt or whatnot. For some reason, when I thought about that, do you remember the music video Lone Digger by Caravan Palace? I sure do. I love that music video. It's so gorgeous, but whenever you said that, my first thought is having one of those dogs dressed in the Hello Kitty shirt right before the fight scene happened. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when did you go from like a general love for animation to a passion and wanting to make it your career? Um, I believe I was in high school like middle school, high school, and um, I was like a big warrior cats like person essentially, okay. and um, I 
like the multi-animator project community just kind of started going when I was in like high school, like going like as strong as it is now, I mean, Mm -hmm. and, um, seeing like this, like, like animation was always cool, but like, um, there was something really special about seeing these characters that I like read growing up, like, um, fully realized in these like really over the top, like big, gorgeous productions, essentially. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. I, like, I definitely, like, want to do that. And um, some of the people in those communities started going to school and getting, like, careers in the industry. And I kind of thought, like, oh, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> you can um, you, you can go to school for animation and become an animator. Oh, yeah. I think I'm going to do that. <laughs> it was kind of this, like, slow kind of, like, falling into animation as a career. There you go. Uh, do you remember any? Uh, you said you mentioned the multi animator projects, which is obviously a very like key thing, especially for animation these days, like indie yeah. animation. Do you remember any like big ones that like, or any of the ones that you may have seen that like instantly triggered in your mind, like I could totally do this? Ooh yeah, actually, um, the big one that I saw before I started participating in the community was. Um, Whisker Moon's wolf map with um, Leafpool and Crowfeather. Okay. That's like one from, I think, 2013 or 2014. One of those like earlier years. And um, I remember seeing it and thinking, I like, I've never heard this song before, but it's so like evocative of this like character dynamic. I kind of want to like portray that kind of like high emotion stuff. Like, and it was just this thing where like, the next week I like entered into my first multi-animator project and um yeah I, I just kind of went from there <laughs> I mean it's a good start and a good foundation more than anything else would you say some of those like multi-animator projects would you say those were like some of the biggest inspirations for you as an animator um as like as like an older animator um absolutely yes it's um Honestly, I've always been more inspired by like independent works than not because um, it truly requires like a lot more um, like there's nobody really like, you know, like whipping a team and organizing like um, those things to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, you have a lead, but it is just a bunch of like impassioned people coming together and making something. So like over the years as um, multi-animator projects have kind of like I think the general age group that makes them has kind of gotten a bit older over the years. Um, as like the animation quality like continues to like kind of skyrocket at like the highest end of like you know the animation quality they come in, um, I just continue to be inspired. And you know, I see even younger artists each year like making these like very nuanced acting decisions, and I just. Um, it's really inspiring to me because I, I see how much it like inspires other younger artists. And I think back to when that was me and I just like, um, I, I still like, I don't participate much anymore these days, but um, keeping up with that community is honestly one of the things that makes me still excited about animating today. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. Yeah. Like, especially seeing more like you were saying, like seeing these people like, you know, get this like incredible like independent but yet still connected crew or whatnot and putting forth like an incredible project it's one of the things i always love whenever it comes to like multi-animator reanimation projects or whatnot just having these people like getting to come together and essentially like push out like a unique 
product at the end of the day. Um, and especially seeing just how more connected it makes the community as well. Like it's always a, a marvel to admire at, if nothing else. Heck yeah. Exactly. Um, I I also yeah. Wow, words come back to me. <laughs> words are wonderful. Aren't Don't they? worry, I feel you. <laughs> are you nervous? <laughs> you don't have to be too nervous. <laughs> uh, I I appreciate the fact that like you know, it, it's incredible to know more or less like some of these reanimation projects and, and like the multi animator projects or whatnot are a major inspiration for artists such as yourself. And I can imagine like for a lot of them, they probably uh influence your style as well now for people that may be watching the video version they get a little bit of a taste of it right there with your little icon photo right there but i i have to know like the the style that you have how would you personally describe it and what made you decide that was the style you wanted to go with uh well honestly i don't think a whole lot about my style um I don't know if this is a generic answer or not, but in my opinion, like each piece and each say like um, story setting I have, I kind of like approach on its own um, merits. Like, um, okay. I think the I think the thing most people would probably associate me are my werewolves and those burnout dogs guys and all that sort of stuff. Um, when I was, you know, a few years back, I kind of rediscovered my like um kind of this like 70s phase I was really in when I was younger mm -hmm. I don't really know why but I was really drawn to the like um shape language of like cartoons from the 70s and um the general like fashion styles of some of these like really broad crazy shapes and the warm um the like very warm retro colors and so like um I thought, you know, maybe I want to incorporate this into my art style a bit more, um, especially like for this like project. And um, I also started at that time, like um, going like, it's been a long time since I drew, um, you know, like wolves for a story, if that makes sense. Um, what can I do to make these shapes like absolutely like, crazy like what can I do to like um really stretch these shapes to make them like something really alien and kind of like out of this world right right um so those two that like influence and that like desire to create something that's like really kind of like weird and alien looking kind of like um coalesced into the kind of sharp angle um you know like very like um one of the things I, I definitely do is that, like, um, I try to, like, simplify my lines as much as possible, like, the outside ones. Like, if something can be a straight line, I'm going to make it a straight line, okay. <laughs> if that makes sense. That so, makes um, sense. yeah. Yeah, so it, it was definitely this very general, um, like, as striking as possible, as immediately readable as possible. Um, I, I would say that's my my style or ethos, at least for, for that, yeah. Okay. No, like, it, it makes sense, like, more or less, like, especially for each individual project, like, you don't have, like, a, how should I word this? It's not like you try to go forth and try to make whatever style you, like, the signature style, like, the same thing every single time. You go into it thinking, what would be the style to best complement this project? Is that more or less the mentality right there? Oh, absolutely. Um, I have always felt like, um, when I was younger, I used to worry a lot, you know, about like my style and like what what am I going for like what do I like need to project but um 
it kind of came to this point where like there's so many different things I'm kind of interested in drawing that um, I think like trying to kind of like almost brand myself with a certain style at some point became more of a detriment than a help. So um, for me, choosing my like visual approach based on the project let me um, experiment with a bunch of other different stuff. Like um, sometimes the shapes are crazy and kooky and, you know, just kind of like fun and bright, but sometimes like um, drawing like more like pastoral cutesy things with like pastel colors and such is what I'm in the mood for. Um, so I, I honestly really think that like every artist should give themselves that like breathing room that, um, you know, there might be like a visual style you gravitate more towards, but um, still experiment in different directions because um, over time you will just kind of naturally like create your own visual identity, I guess. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I, you know, thinking back, seeing the stuff that you have had a hand in in one aspect or another, I can definitely see what you're talking about because now I think back, I did say like a signature style, but at the same time, like I'm also thinking of the projects you've had a hand in and helped with animating or whatnot. And boy, there's actually a good range of styles. Now that I think about it. the first thing that came to mind when it talks to like different styles is something that you actually helped out with when it came to, uh, when you were in college at Sheridan, um, paper dreams, this major project that you were oh, doing yes. with or whatnot. Um, and for those who hadn't seen it, like it, it goes back to the cutesy style that you mentioned for like a quick second there. Um, I'm wondering how that uh, film more or less came to be. Cause I imagine it was probably for, you know, it had to be for an assignment. So I, I can only imagine like what the collaborative process was and what it came to deciding on having that more or less cutesy style. Yes. Well, um, in third year at Sheridan college, they kind of like, it's really funny. They kind of like grab a like literally like random grouping of people and they like sit you in a server and they're like, okay, get to know each other. You're going to make a film in eight months. Good luck, essentially. <laughs> um, and we had this kind of like weird split of people where we had a bunch of background artists and like two people who, you know, felt like animation was more of their specialty. Mm -hmm. um, so from the beginning, one of our goals was to make sure that we were focused more on like the vistas and less on having like, say, a particularly um, complex character. And we kind of wanted to tell a simple story, too. Right. So um, I was production manager for that, which is like I kind of corralled people and made sure people were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Um, and like, I actually had like no hand in either the character design um, nor the story chosen. I was on the board team, but um, the base concept and the characters, nothing to do with it. But one thing I did do was a lot of the animation, especially some of the more like challenging shots. Like I did like all of the like water effects and, um, like the one long temple scene and like um paper dreams was interesting because like i think that like in some ways it's um like we kind of like had to come together and just pick something that like worked for all of us um Sorry, I think I'm getting a bit off topic. <laughs> no, you're perfectly fine. I think but, you're saying really good on topic because I'm really definitely intrigued to see how this project more or less came to be. 
Oh yeah. Um, so we kind of had to like just pick something that worked for us. Um, Paper Dreams was like we were proud of what we made and it came out okay. But in a lot of ways, that project was like the first like really big piece that like most of us had like worked on, and it was kind of like this um I guess like lesson in where to compromise and where not to, and to kind of like you might have like this certain thing you want for the project, but you know, you might be outvoted and sometimes you just need to kind of work with what other people, with what other people want. Um, at the end of the day with paper dreams, I did have a lot of fun doing it. Like, um, the character designer who worked on it, um, Bridget, Ke Bridget Keith. Yes. Um, I think she did a great job with making these like really simple designs that like everyone could handle animating. And I think they have this like nice visual appeal. So I'm still like, you know, I'm, I'm still proud I was part of that. Um, it wasn't like, it was a weird situation where like none of us really like chose any, like any individual part of it. Um, it, it was kind of just this like by consensus, like what do we think we can get done and what do we think will look best like kind of um, thing. So yeah, that was, that was an interesting um, time back in third year for sure. <laughs> I can only imagine. I mean, if I do say so myself, just watching the, the film itself, like I, I, I enjoyed it more or less. I love the, the cute style that you guys presented or whatnot. I appreciated the scenes, especially, like I said, that long temple scene, like the complexity that had to go with some of those bits right there, like wonderfully executed, if I do say so myself. Um, it, it's one of those, like, it's incredible to see that, but I imagine, you know, like you said before, like having that kind of experience or whatnot, it, 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 was, it must have been good to have that experience beforehand, especially because, in fact, that, that was for third year, and for fourth year, you went... I'm not gonna say in a completely different direction, but you went from this nice soft cutesy thing to rumble. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I like when it comes to like making a short film. I, you know, at the end of the year, like I loved my time on Paper Dreams, but I was like, by the end of the year, we were all kind of just like absolutely over it. We had been like <laughs> slaving away for the past like eight months, right. and we all kind of just wanted it to be done. And, um, you know, a lot of the time I spent on Paper Dreams was just, like, management, so I don't really feel like I got to do as much, like, hands-on stuff as I would have liked to. So I was really excited about fourth year being able to do something that was a bit more, like, mine and me, I guess. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of just, like, I sat down and I had a bunch of different, like, kind of, like, disparate ideas but at the end of the day, I thought, like, what's the most, like, me, like, thing? Like, if you, like, if you, like, put, like, my name in your old blender, what would you get? Like, <laughs> kind of, like, thing. Um, and so I thought, like, yeah, like, some kind of, like, you know, like, greaser-themed thing with some wolves, and then they fight. That sounds right. Like, yep. um, so I made Rumble. Like, Rumble's not really supposed to be, like, um... I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say it doesn't have like the most like <laughs> it's not like very story heavy it's mostly just like me having fun with animation right um because like in fourth year you only have i mean they recommend you make your film a minute long mine ended up being two but okay. that's not uncommon um but th that is like a limited amount of time to tell a story in 
So um, I kind of want the direction of I'm going to use a really basic story. I, I love storytelling, but um, I like long form storytelling. But in a in a short, that's a great time to do some like visual spectacle and really like um like kind of like intense graphics, I guess. So yeah. I kind of went with the like dumbest punchiest thing i could think of so yeah i i'm making rumble for sure there you go i mean like i was gonna say like i love how you went from like this soft cuties you know pet you know softer colors or whatnot with you know paper dreams to this like harsher color rougher edges like more bang for your buck storytelling with rumble um and i've i i to be fair, like I was gonna say, I hadn't even seen the full thing of it, but what little I have seen out there because I didn't see if it was uploaded anywhere, and that's probably on me. But from what I did see, like goodness, I I want to see the the full two minute short because like I I just love like how recognizable the characters are, just like the the action that what little was out there was incredible or whatnot. Like it, I. I am in love with that concept and I can only imagine like, even though it's only two minutes, how much punch you were able to add for every little bit that you could. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's not out yet because um, I didn't finish it by the end of the semester because okay. I started working a bit earlier than some other people did. Um, like I started my job like partway through the semester. Right. However, um, I'm, I'm still working on it and I think it should be done by the end of the summer, but mm. Uh, yeah, it was really like this thing of like anything I like the, the the whole story is like as streamlined as possible, essentially, like any scene that I thought was like slowing things down or a bit too su superfluous, like during certain parts, I just like ripped it out and um, kept as much like action in the middle as I could and then like kind of like only like put as like as much like um scenes that were more focused upon like okay what's happening like what's going on like the minimum I could get away with essentially I mean, um so yeah it, it, it's pretty much a story where it's just kind of like sprinting to the fighting part essentially I mean whatever um, gets the yeah, job done I, right <laughs> Yeah, totally. It's a project that I pretty much made just to have fun with. And I, I think it's essentially done its job of just, I guess, more or less being a showcase of my love for animating traditionally and kind of like grittier or like more like angular, like, um, you know, retro looking art. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt that more or less uh, the, 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 the main characters of that story are basically anthropomorphic werewolves or just dogs in general, which I know is something that you tend to lean a lot towards, if I may. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what is it about, like, for those who may not already know, if me telling beforehand wasn't a major sign, you tend to have an affinity when it comes to werewolves and, like, animals when it comes to your animation. What, what is it about werewolves that, once again, just creatively just, like, gets you going and, like, makes you have to animate them? Well, uh, I, I, I would say I could answer that in two parts. Um, one part more to do with, like, just dogs in general, and one part to do more with werewolves specifically. Um, when it comes to, like, dogs and wolves and such, they, like, they were one of the first, like, besides lions, one of the first things I learned how to draw. Okay. So if I'm doodling on a piece of paper, like, they are the thing I'm going to default to because I feel like I could draw the base features that make up one in my sleep so 
I know that if I want to get like this kind of like very streamlined performance that like this is kind of my like go-to subject and like I love drawing them it like I keep talking about the muzzle it makes me seem kind of <laughs> weird but I just love the like floppiness you can have in the lips or like how like striking the like big bared teeth are and how like um you know you can kind of like stylize the fur into like any shape you need like okay do you need like these like sharp jagged edges you can have these like almost like straight lines or do you need a softer rounded character then they can kind of look more fluffy mm-hmm. um there's just this like as you said earlier about dogs having this like huge variety within them you know same with wolves i think they're just really utilitarian honestly Mm -hmm. and fun to draw but for werewolves specifically um i think that there's something very for a lot of people almost relatable about werewolves um i think that they are popular you know among a lot of people for a good reason Um, I think everyone has something in them that they don't really feel like they can tell people or something. And um, I think a lot of people also like really that thing that they don't really tell people might also be very special to them. So I think the imagery of somebody like transforming into a wolf and having a great time, you know, away from polite society or something, um, resonates with a lot of people for like any given reason right it could be the person's trans it could be the person is you know in the closet it could be the person um uh might live in might be a person of color who lives in a mostly white area and feels they can't necessarily be themselves there's or it could be something even simpler like in their spare time they like to write um transformers fan fiction but they can't talk about it in their daily life like there's so many things and it's just this kind of like evocative um imagery i guess and um also like they're just fun and they look great like even like a bad werewolf looks like a badly drawn werewolf (laughs) is like looks good and like people will gravitate towards them in like video games and such so yeah I, i just think they're they're kind of like a very relatable trope if that makes sense oh no absolutely like i i i have not personally thought of the trope itself that much i'm just one of the people that is very simple-minded of just werewolf looks incredible but now that you actually like divulge a little bit more into it and talking about like the the fact that they're like holding back on something like that that sort of storytelling that could be told through that message or whatnot like it's I can see how it is almost like putty for you to be able to mess with some of these characters and truly prov- like provoke that kind of werewolf initiative more or less. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, there's like um probably as many different portrayals of them are as there are like grains of sand on the earth, right? Yeah. Um so <laughs> so like um yeah, it's a really malleable concept that's fun to revisit essentially. So yeah, I just also, yeah, you're right. They look cool. Like, yeah. honestly, like, what's cooler than this, like, you know, huge, like, wolf monster thing, right? I, mean, I also just love the aesthetics. I was going to say, like, what's cooler than someone that might look, you know, simple and average, just all of a sudden, like, just molting into this demo- almost demonic-looking beast, you know? Exactly, yeah. It's just, like, it's... 
it's just fun, honestly. <laughs> exactly. Can you think of some of the... I, this is probably going to be way too hard to narrow down, but can you think of how many characters that you've personally developed that are that can turn into werewolves? Is it at least like a good, you know... 75% or higher than that, that of characters that could become wolves. Oh man, like, um, my whole like Burnout Dogs cast obviously yeah. Yeah. can turn into werewolves because that's the whole, um, like, that's the gimmick, I Lana. guess, setting. Um, I don't have, I don't actually have many werewolves outside of that, but then even that's like kind of this half lie because my, um, wife, who is also a very talented artist, has a setting where you know that has werewolves within it and she takes this wildly different approach than mine which is really cool and um i've kind of been like hey can i put some of my characters into your story like can i uh can i just squeeze some of them in so some of them might be werewolves in another setting so yeah i i, I have a lot of them maybe maybe i'm a werewolf hoarder <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> shout out to the wife for helping out with the uh, compulsive werewolf disorder <laughs> oh yeah we both have it <laughs> they, are, are you are you trying to are you trying to project and telling us that you're both just werewolves and we just don't know that is yet hey no that's a secret oh okay Okay, hands off on that one. Won't divulge too much into that. Yeah. Uh, I can only imagine. But, like, some of the other characters that I also want to touch on as well, because you've got some incredible characters. I know one of the ones I definitely want to talk about is the one that represents your icon, more or less, D'Angelo right there. D'Angelo. I I have to know about him. What inspired this character, and how would you describe it for people that may have never seen him before now? Oh man, D'Angelo is one of my oldest characters. He started, he's like so old that he started as a Neopet. Like, that's <laughs> okay. how like OG we're talking here. Okay. Um, by the way, I didn't draw my icon. My icon was drawn by a very talented person for Art Fight, I just okay. wanted to say. Um, Duly noted, sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. But um, yeah, D'Angelo is... um. He, I guess, like, has always kind of been this, like, um, sorry, talking about my characters is sometimes a bit hard, but, like, D'Angelo is just this, like, larger-than-life dude. I mean, like, he is, um, obnoxious, he's a party guy, he is always, like, getting into some kind of, like, you know, like, almost, like, college frat bro type of mischief, but, um, you know, he is, like, a military commander he's a lieutenant so um very popular among his company but he has this um very kind of like work hard play hard thing so he is um very gregarious but that is kind of concerning for him because he will he kind of sees it as like okay like whatever i gotta get done i just like throw myself into it fully and I, like I get it done and he's um you know known for never losing a battle um but because he's kind of like more or less like min maxing achievement and excitement essentially um does that mean he's paying the most attention to casualty rates or that kind of like um sort of thing Maybe not. So he's kind of like a contentious guy, you know, his like attitude is infectious, but um, he reeks 
He's like a wrecking ball, essentially. He like wreaks havoc everywhere he goes, right? <laughs> we're we're not saying D'Angelo's a war criminal, but if he was, I'm pretty sure the other war criminals would vote him like the most popular of the bunch. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, you know, he, he might be a war criminal, maybe. <laughs> maybe he eventually becomes one. <laughs> there you go. I, I have to know, because, like, I first off, I, I love the characters that you've developed. Like, we talked about the, the Boneyard Dogs or whatnot. We talked about the Angel and whatnot. I have to know, like, for you personally, like, do you have a... Can you think if there is a process for how you develop a character? Or is it just kind of one of those, like... A seed of something just sparks and it just grows and develops on its own to its own unique thing until you have to just will it into existence. Well, um, I've I've kind of amassed quite a few characters over the years. Like I, I would say, like in my main roster, I have like ten or something crazy like that, and um, it kind of come like there's two different processes of which they come about right okay it's either this like story first or character first thing right okay um for people who tend to make a lot of ocs um you kind of just get this idea of like oh wouldn't it be fun if you had a firefighter but he was like afraid of heights like that would be like a hilarious concept and so you kind of start with this little kernel and it's kind of like um like a pearl developing within like a, a like clam where like layers keep getting like painted on over time as you kind of like turn the character over in your head and keep adding like more complexities um and then you might end up with a point where you have this character and they have enough backstory that you can kind of like mold this setting around them or mold this kind of world building okay. or some other people or some other characters they might um you might have this idea for like a world like oh man what if um what if like all cables were snakes and you had to like um get the right like species of snake to like plug into your computer like i don't know <laughs> someone like you have this like um wild concept and um you kind of end up making characters to go in it like i've kind of done both but like for me that's kind of how it goes um a lot of my characters have kind of been around for a while and they kind of start to like <laughs> they kind of like to like they kind of start to like start like creating other characters around them like for oh. example um d'angelo has been around for a long time but some of the other characters in that setting haven't like his brother and like another guy named Oscar, like, they're both, like, newer characters, and they kind of came about because, like, um, they support bits of his backstory, or they, like, um, add, like, a fun dynamic, like, you know, compared to him, like, for example, D'Angelo's brother Quincy is very quiet and reserved, and so you have this, like, very big contrast between these two characters, and that creates a lot of, like, fun situations and stuff. Um, honestly, like, a character can essentially just come out of nothing, and at least for me, the complexity just kind of naturally builds with time, because you have moments of, like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if, or, like, oh, wouldn't it be sad if, or, like, oh, they would look really great in a green jacket, and then 
later at night you're like oh my god what if their dead dad gave them that green jacket and like <laughs> the snowball effect essentially it's like the little little snowflake rolling down the hill is like oh my god the entire backstory in this one jacket absolutely Goodness. I, I I know you developed quite a good bit of characters. Is there one or maybe a group of them that you have created and want to toy around with maybe a little bit more? Ones that you want to like develop a little bit more of their backstory or anything along the lines of that? Hmm. Well, I do have um like a lot of them have like a lot of backstory. I'm just kind of sitting on it and there, there's like only so much I really want to like put out there because it's like oh this would be like such a great story or reveal so I gotta like kind of hold on to this but um I do have a character who could use some more development she is very like I don't draw her a whole lot her name is Kenny she's kind of this like scene vampire like um <laughs> like rock star um and I have this idea for a, I guess, setting she's in where, um, essentially, like, um, it's, like, in the future, and we've gotten, like, so, like, our media has gotten, like, so insane that there are no more, like, human, um, like, singers or actors or whatever, because the level of spectacle needed is just so big, like, it's all mythological <laughs> creatures, like, doing, like, crazy shit, so, okay. um... Penny, like, starts as a human, and she kind of, like, um, you know, wants to, like, break into the music industry, but it's kind of this thing of, like, you can't do that. Like, humans are boring. They don't have any powers. They can't, like, supernaturally, like, enhance their music. Like, what are you going to do? Like, walk on stage and, like, sing just like a person? <laughs> Preposterous. How um, mundane. So Exactly, but there is one thing humans can do to become supernatural. They could join the vampire multi-level marketing scheme. <laughs> <laughs> Go on! Yeah, so she um she starts as a, a thrall, which is essentially like um you know the like lowest level on the the ladder, and it's one of those things of like okay you you can pay like two hundred dollars to get our like beginner vampire kit, and that comes with like two conversions that you can sell to like it, it's like totally like one of those like sensey like um like multi-level marketing <laughs> scheme things and not very many people end up like actually like with substantial vampire powers that give them a good career so it's kind of like that story is kind of meant to be this interesting exploration about um how art as a career kind of can demand a lot of sacrifices in terms of like your personal touches and originality and she like needs a bit more development like I still don't really know how that narrative is going to go fully I just know that I really like this idea <laughs> I if I may as well I really love this idea partially because I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts recently and a good couple of them are ones about scams and such so you talk about multi-layer marketing <laughs> campaigns or whatnot I'm already like invested in that aspect but even then like the how unique of the world that you're trying to develop and how Kenny more or less like fits into it or whatnot. Like I'm intrigued to see going back to the metaphor I used earlier. I'm more or less intrigued to see how you're going to mold this putty into a beautiful masterpiece because that just sounds incredible. 
Thank you. Um, yeah, it's like on my mind, especially since like kind of like 2000s nostalgia is kind of like a bit more in right now. And I'm really digging that because that's around, you know, when I grew up, like the, I mean, same, like so. late, late aughts, like sort of stuff. So like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of feeling it. I, I have some other projects that are more, I guess, on my mind and occupying my time. But um, I'm re- I'm really excited to delve more into that when I have time, for sure. And if I may ask as well for some of the other characters and properties that you've developed as well, like, you know, D'Angelo and his little universe, as well as the, the, the werewolf dogs that we talked about as well. What How would you like to develop their stories more? How would you like to present that someday to the world? Well... Um, for Forever Gold, which is the, like, I guess, story universe D'Angelo is part of, I might be working on something already. Ooh, you tease. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, um, it, it's at the point where, like, I, I, fi- I figure I'll, like, kind of, like, a, announce, like, hey, I'm working on this thing when it's, like, a bit further along. Right, right, but, absolutely. Um, per- Pretty much all of my worlds, I generally end up having, like, a plan to do, like, a video game or, like, a comic or something of the, the like. But um, lately I've been very focused on games because I love programming, so it's kind Ooh. of this, like, great marriage of um, two things I like to do okay. in terms of, like, art and programming. So, yeah. That... that y- you're only giving me like just a few crumbs of what could potentially be out there, but I am consuming every little bit that I can just in anticipation because especially like, I don't know if it's what you're playing with uh, forever gold, but like thinking of the possibility of a game, depending on that universe, seeing the characters and what's out there. Like I'm intrigued how many different directions you could go with that. Oh yeah, definitely. And um, honestly, that's one of the, difficult things if you're like the kind of person who develops the characters first and then the world later is that you haven't really like purposefully made this universe for a certain format so there's like tons of different things you can do um it's been a bit of a journey kind of like narrowing down exactly what i wanted to do for forever gold but Mm -hmm. i think i've more or less arrived at it um so that is my like I guess like main side project right now. Okay. Besides finishing Rumble, that is right. Absolutely, that that you know, what little bit is probably left. I'm sure you're probably working hard to get that done when you're not busy with work, and we'll talk about that real quickly. But also, like, just again, knowing the characters that you have ready and knowing what you could potentially be presenting out there, whether it's short or long term future, like I. I'm probably one of the the many at this point that's just eagerly anticipating any more that you could be able to present out there. Um, and especially knowing like the possibilities you can run with it, with what little bit you did give, Ooh, you 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 you're making me starving at this point. Um. <laughs> Thank you. you yeah, I'm I'm really hoping to um you know kind of like ramp things up a little bit soon okay. for um for forever gold. So I don't know, you might see some stuff in the next year or so i don't know (laughs) well once again i will definitely be waiting at the edge of my seat waiting to see what that may be but i also know like part of the reason why you haven't been able to present that uh sooner obviously is because you're an animator you have jobs you have to get your job done (laughs) and i know absolutely i know some of the ones that the one i want to talk about like super duper quickly and the one that i saw that you animated on and i was amazed with it is you were an animator for middlemost post 
Yes, I was an animator for Middlemost Post. Yes. It was my third year internship. Okay, okay. I can only imagine, like, especially, you know, you were in school at that time. I can only imagine just finally getting that experience in the field, especially for a show like that with how unique of an art style and unique of a universe that is. It must have been incredible for you to get a chance to really delve in and get to work with that stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, I was terrified, honestly. <laughs> like, just coming out of school where you had as much time as you wanted to work on, you know, stuff where you're only, like, answering to your, like, group or yourself to going on to a full production. That was really, it was really something. But, um, yeah, I learned a lot animating on Middlemost Post. The, the animation was really, at times, like, wacky and zany. So it was, like, um, kind of fun, honestly, to learn how to animate a bit more, you know, in that direction. Because, like, um despite what my art style might make you think like I've always kind of been more of like a a more like slower like Disney-esque animator okay. like I'm not saying Disney-esque in terms of quality I mean in terms of like spending more time on the scenes and like kind of just putting in acting nuance where I can like that's kind of been my specialty so that kind of like Looney Tunes-esque like um uh punchy animation was kind of like um a new frontier for me i think it was really useful when i got to rumble for sure but um yeah it was it was a learning curve for sure absolutely and i i will go ahead and say this on the podcast uh the creator john trabic the third and please tell me if i'm pronouncing his right name right or wrong but he is someone i'd love to just talk to just to like get in his head for a little bit to figure out how that show came to be because you could attest this as someone that worked on that show that universe and that you know setting or whatnot it's insane and unique and like elastic in a way because of the possibilities that are potentially there just based on this you new unique universe that he's presenting yeah, for sure um we like um we in the canadian animation industry <laughs> are not like direct like say um i had an interesting role on the project and most people who animate on these shows that are um rigged i guess um have this interesting um relationship with the project where like our studio is kind of like subcontracted from nickelodeon so we don't get a whole lot of like time talking with like the creator and such okay. but um whenever they do kind of give us like their their time and you know go on call with us it's really fascinating to you kind of get to like pick their brain and you know ask them questions about like um you know like what what are you going for with this character like what kind of like performance do you want from them so that's always like a, a fun experience unfortunately i didn't get to do that on middlemost post because i okay. joined the production rather late but i still really did enjoy working on it i mean that's fair enough i mean just getting that experience in the first place. That's why you went to school in the first, I imagine that's one of the reasons why you went to school to have that experience, especially going head first into where you're currently working. Now, speaking of Vancouver, you're working at Titmouse, which is incredible. Um, I, I am. I, I have to know, like, obviously you don't have to divulge in what project you're currently working on, especially if there's NDAs. I do not want you to get fired just because you're talking about what you are working on. But I can only imagine, like, how is the experience working for Titmouse now compared to, like, that first internship experience? Like, was it is it about what you were expecting? Is it something wholly different? Like, how is that experience? 
it's super different. Like the shows themselves are just like completely different from the ground up. Um, Middlemost Post was like kind of this like high action, like zany comedy thing. So um, the weekly like quota, which is how many like seconds of animation you do per week was much higher than what I'm working on right now. Okay. Um, at, at Titmouse. I can't say what it is, but it is this um, kind of beloved children's property. Ooh, um, okay. And um, the type of animation for this like show is very kind of like deliberate and focuses a lot on like character relationships and acting. And so um, we, ha- we actually get a lot of time to really dig into our scenes and, um, essentially pull the best um performance out of these characters um we can it's a real like quality over quantity type of experience and i really really love that about the show it has a lot of animal characters in it too so (laughs) i also get to um you know use my i guess skills to add like little like like species specific like touches like you know, on the bird characters, lots of those little, like, kind of, like, head tilts they do, and um, I I honestly, like, have really enjoyed, like, working on the current show I'm working on at Titmouse. Um, yeah, working there has been, it, it's just been pretty dang cool all around, yeah. honestly. I, I can only imagine, like, especially as someone that, as I've reiterated before, that loved animating animals and werewolves and stuff like that, knowing that you're working on a show that involves a lot of animals and such, you're just like, I was born for this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like, can, can, I, I can only imagine, like, the experience actually working, like, in a place like Titmouse in what I would consider a very established animation studio at this point, like how much of that do you think you're personally like taking in and then applying it to your own personal stuff as well? Um, well, I gotta say that, um, working in the industry is very different from anything you do by yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, when you work on an animated show these days, um, it's most likely that you're working on a rigged animated show, which um, is a very different workflow than like, I guess like my true love, which is like hand-drawn animation. Um, It's different, but honestly, I've I've always been this like big defender of like rigged animation that it can be incredibly impressive and um, honestly like very nuanced in its acting, you know? Um, it's just a different medium essentially. So, um, while like my, while like, um, it's honestly been like a lot different than what I was doing right before it, which was working on, um, Rumble where I had to kind of, I hadn't worked with the rigs for like eight months. So I kind of had to like switch back to that mindset. And that was really, um, that was kind of like this like big like system shock like oh yeah i gotta remember how to rotate an arm and oh why is this breaking (laughs) and like oh geez like suddenly the the like legs are like five feet to the left like what happened (laughs) (laughs) um there's a lot of like technical fiddling when it comes to working with the rigs but um i do have to say i've learned a lot one of the things that i um learn a lot from when working on the show is um your supervisor gives you notes like feedback and they'll often um point out stuff in 
thing that you might not be thinking about. Like, um, they might be like, oh, well, it doesn't seem like he's sad about, like, this. It seems like he's sad about that instead. And it's kind of this, like, oh, I didn't think of that. Like, hmm. and I feel like I pay more attention now to um, intentionality. Okay. When, um, I guess, doing character expressions and gestures and acting. And I think it's really... Um, helped like kind of like refine my eye during my time working there you know what that's fair enough i mean it's it, especially like you said you know getting to work with some of this uh technology and whatnot they had for a little bit and i can only imagine how much of that especially with like thinking about how a character would portray a certain thing like once again going back to some of more or less your original stuff and thinking of the stuff that you've been able to produce thinking of the industry that you're currently working in and getting these incredible opportunities thinking back like especially from when you were starting out like even just drawing lines and such your journey as a whole does it ever amaze you that you've come along this far in this art journey um i guess it's amazing in the way that um i feel like it's always amazing to see anyone's journey i guess i i won't like um i guess discount myself i am a very different artist than i was like five years ago for example um yeah i am like there there's always so much more that I have to learn and things I want to work on, but I am pretty happy with, you know, all the progress I've made over the years. It is kind of amazing to kind of look at my old deviant art and go like, Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's really special. <laughs> I can only imagine. Can you think of a moment on this art journey that in your opinion is probably like one of the most surreal so far, like thinking back, even like, telling younger you that you'd be able to do this or you were able to do that or whatnot, they would be absolutely amazed that starting off drawing lines led to that point. Oh yeah. Like, um, during my time at animation school, like we had to take life drawing classes. And I remember like, I was, I was just horrible at life drawing. Like, um, I have this like thing where my like teacher told me like you're thinking in symbols, you're not thinking in like um like forms or something like that. Mm. And I thought like yeah, you know you're kind of right. Like you don't really like think about the like dimensionality of these characters. And so like um for like w like one of the years I was in school, I was like okay, I gotta go to Extra Life, which was like a another like life drawing session that happened in the like night um more and after a few weeks i remember sitting down and drawing something that um i think it was like a picture of sasha okay <laughs> one of my ocs um <laughs> and i remember looking at it and thinking like oh this looks like it has like a form like it like it looks like i kind of know what i'm doing wow like that was just this really surreal moment essentially and um I guess another one was that um, in second year at school, we started doing character animation, which is instead of just like bouncing balls and stuff, we were right. kind of like doing a performance. And um, I did a like lip sync project that I was really proud of because it was like one of the first times that I used like more intentional acting choices. Okay. And my cat is showing her flaws. Sorry. Are you fine? <laughs> um, the first time I started using more intentional acting choices, and I remember thinking, like, oh yeah, like this looks like a thing that's moving and characters that might be like thinking and having emotions. Like that's really surreal. Like 
It's not like I wasn't trying earlier when I was doing my, like, early Warrior Cats um, map parts or anything, <laughs> but um, it was one of the first times that I looked at it and I was like, okay, like, I can definitely see it and it's looks and it doesn't look like the head is like changing shape every five seconds so like this is a win <laughs> there you go there you go and i mean at this point like considering like i said going back to the art journey is as, as well like i can only think of how many like little victories you've shared along the way and you know it's it's incredible at least like hearing your story now like it's incredible to know that like you've been able to get along this far and do some incredible stuff and still work on some incredible stuff if I do say so myself yeah for sure I mean like animation is it's a passion for me for sure like um I mean art is in general but animation especially um it is cool to be working on like bigger I guess like bigger than me that is projects um and uh, I, I, yeah, I guess like every time I do something that's like a bit better than like the last thing I did, I'm like, oh yeah, it's all coming together. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh yeah, it's all coming together. Um, <laughs> yes, no, it's a, that's incredible. And you know, we've we've been talking a lot about the stuff you have been able to have a hand in this journey that you've gone so far, the incredible stuff you have ready at hand. But for this next question, if I may, I want to give you more or less the dream scenario. Let's say I am big shot, Mister Moneybags. I come up to you like, look, Bronco. What you got going on, absolutely incredible. We know that there's a lot of potential for something amazing, and we want to be able to more or less provide the foundation for you to provide something out of this world insane. We have connections to anyone and everyone in whatever entertainment industry possible, and more money than there should be possible. We should probably be helping out with so many different like pensions or something like that, but we'll focus on that in a second. For now, we're going to focus on you right now. If given this opportunity, what would be the dream Bronco Burro project? Wow, that's a fun question. Um, first of all, surprisingly, it wouldn't be an animation. I would be making a like huge theatrical, like almost like theatrical old school JRPG. Okay. Um, using, I would say, maybe my burnout dogs guys. Like that. That would kind of be like the the thing I would choose because um. That's like one of the big genres that made me fall in love with um, storytelling specifically is, you know, playing old JRPGs. So I've always kind of had that, like, I want to make one of those when I grow up <laughs> <laughs> feeling about them. So, yeah, that would be that would be my dream. I would, um you know, make like a a really good indie like um jrpg style game that would be my my big thing you and you go. bet it would have werewolves in it <laughs> i i would be disappointed if it didn't have werewolves in it especially if it's the burnout dogs um <laughs> i i have to ask like i, I want to elaborate on this point just like ever so slightly like when it comes to jrpgs like i can understand where you're coming from from that one more or less when it comes to the creativity aspect because there's so much like open ground and, and open ended aspects of it that you could totally lead down the jrpg path yeah um are, are you asking like how would it fit into a jrpg I, i'm no i'm actually more or less asking like what is it about jrpgs that more or less get you creatively going as well uh, okay so the big thing about jrpgs and i guess in some ways um anime and japanese material in general is that um 
I guess, um, how do I put it? It's kind of like there is like less of a desire in JRPGs and Japanese media to, I guess, like over explain the world building. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they're kind of known for their like weird text crawls, they will just tell you an absolutely like batshit scenario and like expect you to just run with it. And it works. Yep. Like, I think that one of my big problems with like, western pieces of fantasy media is that there's this need to like over explain or like easy win and like you you need to have a person from the normal world going into the like um non-normal world but in like jrpgs it'll be like okay you are like Dave. Dave lives in a world where, like, the government is controlled by bugs. You're on the run now. Let's go. And it's like, okay, I'm Dave. I'm running from these beetles. I get it. Okay. Like, I love the to the pointness and, um, you know, also, like, how inventive and, like, crazy the world scenarios can get. Like, um, even, like, two franchises i guess that i think of are like final fantasy and tales of and in both of those um franchises like each game will be just kind of in like a completely different setting yep um with like completely different world setup and um they just kind of expect you to go with it after they explain some basic stuff i just i really love that version of fantasy storytelling i guess there you go. I mean, you say Final Fantasy alone. There's a reason why there's at least 15 mainline games now, including all the extra side pieces, plus the K- Kingdom Hearts and all their installments or whatnot. Like, there's there's a lot when it comes to those universes to explore, and I get where you're coming from with how open-ended it is, but also just kind of, like, how much it just throws you in and just lets you have fun instead of, like, trying to meticulously go over every individual detail. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I, I think that, like... I think that, like, it's always better when a piece of media, like, doesn't baby their audience too much or take too much time easing into it. Like, I know, like, sometimes, like, the beginning can be confusing, but when it comes to games, especially as you, like, wander around and read things and look at flavor text, like, people generally do want to be immersed and, um, you know, over-explaining things actually takes away from it. Um, more than, like, just, like, essentially, like, playing it straight, like, you kind of, like, came from this world, but just, like, helpfully adding, like, little bits of, like, foundational knowledge so you kind of know what's going on. Um, people tend to figure it out eventually. I, I just, I've always, like, really vibed with that, like, storytelling ethos, I suppose. There you go. There you go. But... Sadly, we gotta get down from the dream scenario. We gotta get back to reality. And I'll ask the ever so generic question. Where do you hope to see yourself five to ten years from now? Honestly, um, I would love to be doing something else. Like, as crazy as that sounds, um, I have left my journey into the animation industry but something i always like to say whenever i can like talk to anybody about this industry is that um you go into it imagining you know maybe eventually becoming a showrunner and making stuff yourself or you go into it imagining that you will have this very large hand in the creative process or um that you know you um 
will like this will like creatively fulfill you and i have to say it doesn't it's really fun and i do love my job but at the end of the day something you have to remember is that it is a job job. and um when it comes to me when i'm animating all day um it can sometimes become a bit hard to end your day and sit down and want to animate even more right? right um so for me personally, I want to get into doing like programming and development as a career and continue my love for animation um, in my own personal projects. I, I think everyone has their own journey and I will always love to animate and such, but um, I think that personally, I would love to get the opportunity to keep all of that like creative energy to myself, so to speak. Um, however, I'm going to enjoy my time in the industry as I do. I have no like immediate plans necessarily to switch out. It's just something I'm thinking about for the future. Right, right. I mean, more or less, at, at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you can correct me if I'm wrong in saying this, but you just want to make sure that you're at least happy with whatever you're doing. And especially when it comes to like animation, like you still have that love for animation, but whenever all you're doing is nothing but animation, whether it's job or hobby, like I, I get where you're coming from when it comes to just a point of just like wanting to find a way to step back and take a breather, but finding a way to creative, creatively input yourself in opportunities like the programming and such when it comes to the video games or whatnot, I can only imagine how enriching that can be while still giving you that love for animation. Absolutely. Like, um, again, like, um, something I like to say for anybody listening who's in animation, um, please keep your side projects. Please keep certain things to yourself, like certain, like, Um, if you have this like world that is full of these characters you absolutely love and you want to make something of it, don't make it like a studio pitch, like find some kind of way that you can personally achieve telling that story because, um, in the industry, like once, like if you get the like golden opportunity to like, I guess, cast something out there it is no longer yours. It is suddenly like subject to like studio like scrutiny and kind of like meddling and it might come out very different than what you want. Um, Being in the industry is super fun and can be very fulfilling to be part of something big. But if what you're looking for is like a a storytelling experience that's very personalized, then um, it's important for like, at least I found it important for my mental health to keep certain things for yourself, if that makes sense. That honestly makes a lot of sense, especially seeing the, <laughs> seeing what you have put out there. I can only imagine like some of the stuff you've kept to yourself, or at least want to develop a little bit more or whatnot. And it just, oh, yeah, like go on. <laughs> all of my like characters and stories and stuff that I like put on my art blogs. Like that stuff is totally mine. I would personally like never, I guess, try to seek like, um, you know, like very huge like funding for them like from like a studio or something not that I really think they would pick them up because my stuff can be a bit out there but I personally wouldn't do that because like um some people are kind of like persnickety about how they want to like handle their story and for me I know that's true so um yeah like I I 
do my best to give myself a lot of time for the, the things that I that are like make me the most excited, which is, you know, my stories and characters and that sort of like, um, you know, like um, media telling stuff. That was a weird sentence, but you know what I mean. I, I totally get where you're coming from and I completely understand. Um, yeah. Uh, as we start to wind down the interview, I just have one last question I want to ask. Obviously, like you've deeply entrenched yourself in art for one aspect for, or another for as long as you can remember. Um, once again, we're hearkening back to the wonderful Lion King days. I think your mom could probably agree to that in one aspect for another. Um, <laughs> how important is art, not just for you, but for the world as a whole? It's a fun question. Um, <laughs> it is probably one of the most fundamental like things about humanity to me. Um, one of the things that lasts longest is our art and our storytelling and whatnot. Like, if you like for example like if you study world religions um there are many like um i guess like plots or threads that are kind of like shared among like a weird like array of cultures and um that, that speaks to the idea that they kind of came from a like much earlier like time like before we necessarily became so widespread. And um, that tells me that our stories stick around for a long time. Like not all of them, but like um, a lot of certain tropes and ideas and things. And the same as with art, you know, like um, one of the things that are most evocative about old societies is the way that they do art. Like from the like surprising anatomical accuracy of like animals and cave art to um the like honestly frightening like um like grasp of the human form the ancient greeks had and yeah. like the the like p the like interesting like religiously tied style of the ancient egyptians like if you are if somebody mentions like an a, like popular ancient culture to you one of the first things you're going to think of is how they did art so i personally think that art is just like one of the most like deep art and storytelling they're, they're tied together one of the most like deeply entrenched things about humanity and also it is um one like important in our daily lives as like one of our like main escapes from um you know when when stuff kind of sucks like everyone has like some piece of media that you know brings some kind of comfort um like some movie or book or something mm -hmm. and also like when you're young it can kind of shape like your interests as you get older like um sometimes you're you're introduced to like a a a like passion like not necessarily art um because you saw it in a movie or something or you like it just like influences us in ways that i don't think we can fully understand um and in a lot of ways it makes us who we are both as like individual cultures and people so yeah our art is one of the most important things to humanity that's for sure there we go. That is wonderfully worded, if I do say so myself. Um, 
that is all the questions that I have for you. Um, I've already showered you with a whole bunch of praise, but I want to shower you with a little bit more because it's my podcast. I do whatever I want. Um, <laughs> Danny, ever since I was first introduced to your art, thanks to the wonderful producer, Tipsy J. Harts, ever since I was first introduced to your art, I instantly fell in love with it just seeing what you've been able to present, the unique characters that you're able to present out there, just how much love and passion you seem to put into your stuff. Getting to sit down and talk with you and getting to really get to know more or less your story and the the seeing that love and passion on full display in one aspect for another, it it makes me truly appreciate what you're able to to do, what you're able to push out there. Um, I I love just about every aspect of your characters. I love the the journey you've been a part of, and I truly love and appreciate that. You know, for you, like. I, I see the love and passion you put into yourself, and I love that you're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that it sticks with you no matter what. Um, the long and the short of it is, uh, Danny, thank you for what you do. Thank you for presenting this stuff out there, for letting us enjoy your little bit of fun and happiness and letting us be a part of that. And I, I've i said a million times before, and I'll say it again, I am eagerly anticipating whatever you put out there next because I know it's going to be absolutely incredible. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. That, that made me blush. I really appreciate it. Um, and um, yeah, like creating art is like essentially like this compulsion at this point. So I can't stop, won't stop. You know? <laughs> um, and it especially makes me, you know, happy or excited to hear that somebody is, you know, interested in my characters and like, I guess like bigger projects than individual like like drawings if that makes sense because um that that really is where my heart lies so really thank you and like big thanks for having me on here i've never like done an interview before so this was really fun well i am honored that this is your first opportunity and if i do say so i truly enjoyed this conversation it it, it's one it's just wonderful i always love conversations like this that where like people get to truly indulge on the stuff they've been able to create and know more about what what's going on behind it like how much you're putting into it because I'm always fascinated with this kind of stuff, and this conversation was exactly that and then some. So thank you for your time or anything else. Yeah, and, and again, thank you. I also really enjoyed this conversation. I I think this was a, a really fun way to spend a Sunday evening. There you go. Say. There you go. Well, if people want to spend potentially more than a Sunday evening with you and get to truly know the, the art that we've just been gushing over for the past hour or so, go ahead and plug yourself for the people at home. Okay, um, you can find me under the name Bronco Burrow on Twitter and also on Tumblr. I especially suggest Tumblr because it's like the last social media site where you can post long form content. Please use it. Um, <laughs> um, you can also technically find me on Instagram at Bronco underscore Burrow, but I do not use Insta that much. So yeah, that's where you can find me. I'm also on YouTube technically, but I, I haven't posted there in a while. So, yeah. Well, hopefully whenever Rumble does get done, it'll be posted there, and I will be eagerly excited to see how that one turns out. So there we go. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it will be up there eventually. eventually. I want to see if I can get it into any, like, small, like, film festival oh, absolutely. first. But, yeah, it, it will be there at, at some point in the future. And, um, you know, when I do start working on Forever Gold, I might post stuff there. I don't know yet. <laughs> Once again, you keep feeding me just like samples and tastes of what you got. It just makes me hungrier and hungrier. 
<laughs> it's all in my master plan to, to reel people in, you see. <laughs> You're reeling people in in hopes that, you know, they'll eventually enjoy the buffet of incredible content you have for us. Um, <laughs> do you have any final words before we sign off? Um, I guess I do. If anyone listening is an artist who is early in their journey, and if you're, like, despairing about anything that you feel like you're never going to get good at, like, this certain thing, trust me, you will eventually, and you won't even notice it until it's already happened. So, like, just keep going. Like, the most important thing about art, like isn't learning like anatomy fully it isn't about like learning like what your style is it isn't about like any of those individual things it's just kind of about like doing it as much as possible and um worry not about the the final result just enjoy the process if i can say there you go wonderful words to end on if i do say if i do say so yeah words are wonderful even whenever i'm right about to end the podcast <laughs> but with that all i have left to say is for the people at home hasta luego mi amigos Thank you so much for sticking to the end. If this is your first time listening, I greatly appreciate it. I sincerely hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're a returning guest, especially if you're returning from last week's episode, guys, <laughs> guys, <laughs> I I appreciate the, uh, the love and enthusiasm for last week's episode. I sincerely hope you guys enjoyed. Um, and especially for how y'all showed out, like, last week's episode was insane. But this week's episode is certainly, once again, no exception to that rule. I genuinely enjoyed the conversation with uh, with Danny, and I I was grateful to to be introduced to her art and get the chance to really sit down and talk. I'm always amazed whenever I'm introduced to someone I never even thought of beforehand. Um, it just shows more or less how cool the art community is, more or less. The fact that it seems like every single time I turn around, I'm introduced to someone else doing something absolutely incredible. That's part of the reason why I'm usually open to that kind of stuff when it comes to this podcast. That's why I'm usually open to suggestions and stuff. Because I know and love like my little corner of the internet. But that doesn't always mean that incredible art isn't always out there. I... I'm always blown away with what you guys are able to create. I'm always absolutely blown away with how you guys are able to present yourself, the the concepts you're able to come up with, the the universal language, more or less. And it just it always wows me. And I I certainly welcome it and I certainly anticipate every little new bit that I get to see. So yeah. Keep up the awesome work, guys. <laughs> And Danny, once again, thank you for taking the time to to be here and to chat up about your stuff. It was a 
honor and a pleasure to get to talk to you. But now let's see. For those that are new, I like to give a little quote-unquote inspirational thing to to wrap things up more or less. And I think for this week, it's just if you truly love what you do, don't hesitate to talk about it. Don't hesitate to put it out there. Don't hesitate to put yourself out there more than anything else. You might not always get, you know, a bunch of hits when it comes to what you're posting out there. People are not going to always see what you do. But especially if you keep putting yourself out there and keep showcasing to the world the cool stuff you're able to do, there's going to be a point to where someone's going to catch on. Someone's going to see it and someone's going to actually love it. I know I certainly will whenever I see it because I know the amount of time, love, and effort you put into stuff. But don't feel discouraged just because something doesn't necessarily hit. All right? It'll eventually hit if you keep doing it for fun more than anything else for the love passion and fun people will certainly see that they will recognize it and the people will come and show that love and appreciation for what you do i know you can do incredible stuff so don't hold back 